0: Goalie goals, in goal bumps, and first National Hockey League starts. Welcome to Ingold Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co founders of Ingold Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. A fantastic episode today with a future Hall of Famer. Can I say that right now? Just a future Hall of Famer. Pekka Rennie is going to join us, uh, about to be honored by the Nashville Predators with his number going to the Rafters. And when you play as many years as he did, and a Vesna trophy in your back pocket. I think there's a spot for him in downtown Toronto uh, at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, let's get into it today. Uh, the Sense Arena feature interview is coming up. But uh, the Hockey Shop, source for sports the thehockeyshop.com, uh, sponsors Ingold Radio, the podcast. And uh, we have a lot going on over with Cam and company. Lots of stuff
1: still on sale, guys. Uh, we've highlighted some of the sales over the past couple of months. Black Friday, Boxing Day for you Americans. That's basically like Black Friday Part 2. There are still some, some things where they've, in, in some cases, they've actually gone out and secured like more inventory of popular items. You've heard us talk for the past couple of weeks uh, about the Warrior V1 stick line, and I know everybody kind of hears that, and it's thirty percent off, and there's some great deals. And Cam got over four hundred of these beauties, um, so lots of different sort of paddle lengths and combinations. There's multiple models uh, available, to, sort of depending on your preferences. They probably have it in stock, all thirty percent off. A lot of people kind of like, oh yeah, but like that's V1. Um, you know, you can get V2 now. Why isn't V2? If you check our reviews. Both of the V1, which we pushed out on social media, and then go and check V2. The names changed on V2, but the makeup of the stick is largely the same. So great discounts on the V1 stick line from Warrior. Yeah, the layup on the stick and everything like that is mostly mostly just a graphic and sort of label changes on V2. Um, Other sale items I wanted to sort of let everyone know about, all their chest protectors from Warrior are 20% off. And like the full line, like G5... Senior Chest, G5 Intermediate, Junior, Youth, uh, GT2, like they're all on sale, 20% off. And of course, the Vaughn Ventus SLR2 line. We've got the SLR3 line coming up soon. I had some conversations with Vaughn recently about what that's going to look like. Cam's got a demo set. We're going to walk you through that in the very near future. But in the meantime, SLR2, including the SLR2 Pro Carbon Senior Chest Arm and Protector, uh, all 20% off uh slr2 pro carbon pants senior models pro carbon everything 20 Percent off the hockey shop thehockeyshop.com make sure you check them out lots of great deals still to be had as we start to inch our way towards new equipment season later this spring
0: i wonder what the uh, sticks were used uh, what manufacturer for the goalie goals that we had uh, over the last uh, couple of days it's it's been fun to watch you, you must get excited every time there's a goalie-goal alert come across your desk.
2: Oh, we call each other if we hear that there's a game that's gone into OT with maybe two goals gap. Yeah, Not OT, sorry, end, end of the game, and there's about two goals gap. Or the perfect scenario to shoot where you're not taking that too much of a chance because it's only a one-goal lead. And uh, if I'm at a game, I pull out the camera and get it going just in case. There's nothing better than a goalie-goal. Um I guess the best the best thing, of course, would be if the goalie goal could pull off like the winning goal or something in a game. But um, yeah, just love them, Love them. Was super excited to see those come across. The one uh, from the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, Junior A. And uh, I didn't. Where was the one last night? Tristan Martin was the
1: one, the AJ. The one last night was Greg Ballack tweeted it out here. So I was uh oh, yeah, had Greg, sort of Greg's the goalie Martin. goal guru. Yeah, g- Greg is the go- he's the goalie goal guru, and which it's amazing because Greg can't shoot for crap. Like, he can barely get it through <laughs> the blue line. Hope he's listening right now. Um, but for a guy who can't handle the puck or the lick, he sure keeps an eye on where they're being scored. Uh, it was Logan Dick who made 38 saves and scored for the Fred Blue Devils hockey. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure where this is. Uh, I think this might be, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't hey, know. if if you
0: score a men's league and you're a goalie, I, I, I'm I'm giving you props. I don't care what league it is. It could be the National Hockey League or it could be men's league. If you're getting it there, down there, there was
2: one here in Nanaimo a couple of weeks ago. Really, in I, I the think, league that I used to play
1: in. Yep, I think last night's was an actually an NCAA goal, but I'm not just not sure at at what level. Like I think this is a college college goal. I don't care. It's just a hell of a goal. So yeah, there we go. Goalie goals.
0: I I find that uh, there's a couple of different classifications of them now. Uh, one where they dump it in, you glove it down, and and you flip it out. Uh, the ones behind the net, like the old Hexy one, uh, where, where he was behind the net and stepped out front and rifled it, that, to me, takes it up another notch. What I find now that I'm drawn to, though, is not the actual shot or the puck going in the net. I need to see the selly. What kind of selly is the goal? Is he going to do the bench uh, wave? Or is he going to ride the stick? Is he going to get swarmed by his teammates? I'm fascinated by the celebrations of all goalie goals. And uh, that is number one in my list of when it comes to priorities of, of these guys doing it. And uh, the the boys, the girls, the men, the women, uh, all taking their shot. Good on you. Darren, you must have thought
2: about getting one before. What would your sellie be?
0: Uh, I, I think uh, I would probably skate towards the bench and jump into the bench. I would, I would, fa- into the bench. it would be it would probably ruin the entire event because I would hit halfway up the boards and just slide down like Wiley e. Coyote. But, <laughs> but that's, that's probably what I would try and do.
2: How about you? That beats me. I can't, I, I was just thinking the skate by the bench, you know, the high fives along the whole length of the bench. Uh, you'd want to be over there and celebrate with your teammates. And it's something that a goalie obviously never gets a chance to do um, every now and then you get that net front Sally at the end of a game or something, yeah. but uh, the the bench skate by, you don't get to do. But Darren, that'd be a whole new level if he jumped into the bench. But uh, yeah, my luck, I'd take two or three guys out and put them on the DL for a while. So <laughs> or I or think that's a good idea.
0: I was just out of thought. Uh, the The bench would be open, and and I I wouldn't see that the gate was slightly unlatched, and I'd yeah, fall through go. and and hit somebody. What you got to have some kind of selling in your mind? Are
1: you kidding me? Like I pretty much like skate to the bench and jump into my teammates anytime I clear it past the blue line. <laughs> I may have chirped Ballack about his puck handling, but let's just say I'm not famous for being very good at it myself. So the chances of me ever scoring a goal And that's with a game stick. Yeah, exactly. That's with the game or not even the practice stick. So, you know, (laughs) like the referees applaud when, you know, when you have like the icing and the guy doesn't want to skate... If I can actually get it to the to the other end without anybody having to come get it in beer league, you know, like that, I get applaud from the
2: referees just if I can get it three quarters beer, of the way beer down. Beer league's the a whole another level, though, Woody. Beer league's a whole another level because you don't get those scrapes every five minutes yeah. like in the NHL. You don't get the ice clean between periods, so you've got a whole snowbank at the other end that you got to get through.
1: Yeah, see, there you go. That's good. I never thought of that, Hutch. I thought it was just because I sucked. Uh, which I I'm just going to point hey, out. Hey, listen, guys, real I quick, I want to point out Fredonia,
3: one
2: thing. Oh, who?
1: Fredonia University uh it's a state university in new york so it was a, okay. it was a college hockey that this goal was scored last night and he had a wicked celly teammates mugged him the whole it looks like guys came right off the bench mugged him in his
0: crease Did we get his name
1: logan dick fredonia state a uh, hell of a job good
0: celly uh just uh to your uh point that uh, we're penalized because there's snow on the ice and and no cleaning during intermissions uh our games are usually only as long as one nhl period anyway so so <laughs> it, just keep that in mind when it, when it comes to total time.
1: And I should say too, my Monday night skate actually has a dry scrape halfway through and it still oh, yeah. doesn't help with the puck handling. So it doesn't make a difference, but isn't this a perfect segue? Cause yeah. what, like when we think of Pekka Rinne, not that we're going straight to the interview, but I want to tease it a little bit. Cause it's one of my favorites. Um, like when we think of his moments, like I almost think of his goal Right. Before I think of the trip to the cup final or even the Vesna, like I know he accomplished all those things, but the goal, the celebration, the
0: smile, like it's one of the first things I think of with Pekka. Has anybody had the, a better back half or back couple of years of their career? Like what, what, what he threw in, in in the tail end of his career with the, the goal, the Vesna? Yeah. Maybe flurry, but he's not done. Right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Pekka crammed a lot into the final couple of years.
1: Yeah, and he and, and he talks about that in the interview. I think what a lot of people forget, like there almost was two halves to his career. Like there was this great rise, and then there was the hip surgery and the infection, and it took him a while to sort of get get back to being Pekka Rinne as such an active, explosive, athletic goaltender after that. And you know, he talked in the interview about how how trying and hard that was physically and emotionally. But you're right, after that, like. I think three of his four all-star game appearances are after the hip surgery, like a real great sort of run to the end. And yeah, so I, anyways, I, I'm teasing it early, but uh, make sure you stick around for this one folks. Cause uh, we talk about great people. Like Peck is like one of my favorite people in the national hockey league. And, and what might get a little emotional at the end of this interview?
2: I just want to point out that, uh, you know, you talk about the in goal bump uh, every year when we do our Vesna picks, I'm, I'm like the Ingold curse. Whoever I pick doesn't have a chance. And I remember picking one Pekka and getting mocked thoroughly by everybody involved at Ingold Magazine. And they were probably right. But one year later is when he won the Vezna. Hmm. Precursor. So maybe it's just a delayed bump. I don't know. Didn't yeah. we mock...
1: We, we, mocked, we mocked Millard when he, when he said Sergey Bobrovsky at the beginning yeah. of the season, didn't we, a little bit? Mm. We gave him a hard time. We didn't mock, but we gave him a little bit of a hard time. He's looking pretty good right about now.
0: Jeez. We're really good mockers. We're way better <laughs> mockers than we are Talkers. our goaltenders. Uh, <laughs> uh, on the subject of the in-goal bump, Spencer Martin uh, was the recipient this week, Woody.
1: That like, might be the all-time in-goal bump. Literally was on the taxi squad when he talked to us Friday morning, woke up the next day as the backup, comes here to Vancouver. Thatcher Demko ends up in protocol, gets into his first game last night in almost five years. Five years to the day since his first NHL start with the Colorado Avalanche. He played three games with the Avs. Last one was like February 1st of 2017. Here we are in 2022. Made a whole bunch of changes to his game. He talked about the process he went through in Tampa Bay with Fran Jean and Joe Palmer there. He talked a lot about sort of the adaptation he's made here uh, with Curtis Sanford and Ian Clark. Talked about the work he's done in the off seasons with Andy Kyoto. Five years. And his first start? is against the highest scoring team in the National Hockey League, the Florida Panthers. And the Canucks, not only are they missing both their goalies, which in this case for him works, Mm -hmm. but they're missing their top three scorers, Bo Horvat, Connor Garland, JT Miller, all in COVID protocol. And all Spencer does is go out and stop 33 of 34, get the Canucks a massive point by getting them to overtime. And he had some beauties in there, especially against Barkov loses in a shootout, but I mean, with Barkov making an absolute ridiculous one-handed move in the final round, but what a night, what a performance under an absolute ton of pressure and he delivered. So, and then it's going to continue. He'll probably start, most people will be listening to this and and we'll know the answer, but he's probably going to start here in the start Sunday against the St. Louis Blues and that could be against Jordan Bennington, who he trains with in the off season. So uh, great story, one of our best in goal bumps ever to go from taxi squad to your first start in five years. Uh, right after we had you on the pod, I think it probably had a little more to do with all the work that Spencer's put into his game over the past five years. But we'll take credit. I'll pat the
2: I pat might get the back pat machine out. Yeah, don't be shy. If there's any goaltenders out there looking for a little bump in their career, just call Woody. Yeah. And uh, he'll get you on for an interview and um, almost guaranteed you'll be starting an NHL game a couple days later. Or send us an email. What's the email? Podcast at ingolmag.com. If it's Binnington and Martin, is that
0: one of the great late bloomer matchups that, that we've witnessed?
1: Yeah, and, and the comparisons, like like nobody's, nobody's saying Spencer Martin's going to get in these two games, go on a roll and win a Stanley Cup by the end of the year. Like Jordan Binnington has the all-timer late bloomer story. Um, But there are a lot of underlying comparisons to be made, right? And we talked about this with Charlie Lindgren last week. Like all the opportunities that we're seeing in the NHL right now um, for guys who uh, maybe never got a shot in some cases. That was Bennington's case. In other cases, maybe got a shot before they were ready, but then years later have made... Uh, a bunch of changes and a bunch of improvements to their game as they find new mentors in the offseason, new voices, new techniques, new approaches with different franchises. Like, this is the year to get that opportunity. And, you know, certainly Spencer has an opportunity to become one of those names at the top of that list, um, you know, this year with a Charlie Lindgren, with a Zach Fucalli, Uh, And and Bennington, I, I think, is kind of at the all-time top of that list based
0: on... No, no, no. You know, He's one below. Who's the all-timer I'm missing? Johnny Bauer. Johnny Bauer is the the all-time greatest late bloomer. There you go. I'm I'm reading his Wikipedia page as we speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Two old guys on the same wavelength right there, you and I.
2: Yeah, and so made his NHL debut at the age of 29, Mm -hmm. beats out Gump Worsley for the Rangers' starting goaltender position. Then he gets sent down for... Four years, I think it was in the minors before he he came back up in his 30s to stay with the Leafs. Like, uh, yeah, that, there's a late bloomer for you. But in modern times, I think we could go with uh,
0: with certainly uh, Jordan and and then the inspiration of, of spent. That'll just be a cool moment. That'll be one of those uh, for goalies. Uh, if you're if you're in the rink and you're able to watch warm up, uh, watch the the tap like we saw with Mark Andre and, and Robin Leonard and different different times we see goaltenders uh, give uh, a nod of respect. That'll be one of those ones to keep an eye on. So, Woody, you're in charge of that. Uh, maybe get the, the phone out and start recording.
1: Yeah. Hey, and like uh, if nothing else, like we, at least we don't have to worry about Bennington throwing
0: down in this game. Oh, yeah. Oh, or, or maybe, or maybe he that's does a... <laughs> because he knows the guy at the other end. And, and <laughs> oh. it, it'll add some fun to it.
1: We're just teasing. We're just having a little fun. But yeah, like, it, like what a neat story. And so, I, you know, and the sad part here is like by the time people hear this podcast, like this will have happened probably. Not everybody listens when it first comes out. Shame on you, by the way. Um, but it, it is a great story. And the funny thing is like because of the way things are right now in the NHL and no access, like I'm pretty sure the three of us right now and maybe those two guys and coach Andy Kiyota are the only ones that know about it
0: oh really
1: st louis isn't skating here today no banner no access spent nobody asked about spencer about it last night he's practicing today but he probably won't be on the zoom like you can't sidle up to a guy in the locker room and say hey you know how special is this relationship you can't do that anymore right it's all zoom and and the fact that spencer talked after his first game last night means he's probably not gonna be on the zoom today which means yeah We'll probably be the only three that know this going into tomorrow. But we had a special picture we'll put on social media to let the rest of the world know about it.
0: What is that special picture?
1: It's a special picture of Spencer Martin, who may in the picture, is he in the picture or was it later on, may or may not be wearing David Hutchison's undergarments (laughs) with. Oh, I
2: wasn't going to share that one for poor Spencer.
1: Jordan Binnington. And a young Maddie Hutchison, who is like waist high to these guys at that point, maybe a little taller and now actually is probably as tall, probably as tall as Spencer and taller than Binner or close to it. Pushing
0: Spencer
2: and taller than Binner by a couple inches. Yeah.
0: Boy, those guys really hit a flat spot in their growth,
2: didn't they? (laughs) Yeah, they just weren't trying hard (laughs) enough.
1: (laughs) Like Eh. a lot of us, we peaked in our, we peaked with 420. (laughs)
0: Uh, that's uh, that's really neat, and now everybody's like uh, gone onto great things, and those two are in the National Hockey League, and and Hutch is uh, working his way uh, into Major Junior. That's uh, that's really neat.
2: I got an honorable mention on the late bloomers. Just people should go back and listen to the Jamie Store inter- interview uh, from the podcast because remember, mm. guys, his father yes. was almost a late bloomer; hadn't even played hockey growing up picked up rec league hockey and got himself a tryout with the Toronto Maple Leafs when the goalie coach was one Johnny Bauer um, came that close to the NHL at a rec hockey. That was a pretty awesome story.
0: I thought you were going to go with Jamie store there for a minute. I'm like, he was on the two time all rookie team. So uh, thanks for clarifying yeah, no, he, that. He,
2: he was an early bloomer. <laughs> yeah.
0: So let's slide over to our Censorina VR feature interview, Pekka Rene. And there's a lot in this conversation and you are going to hear Pekka as Comfort, if, you, if you don't know him, uh, you're really going to enjoy this. But one thing, even if you do know him, you're going to appreciate how just cool of a guy he is, comfortable. And I love hearing the starts of these interviews uh, when, when Kevin sits down with uh, somebody that's the, that he's covered, but also is, is considered uh, a friend. And just, just as a preface, this has nothing to do with really goaltending, but Kevin's going to say the name of a sport, a Finnish sport. And he's going to ask if, if that's the proper pronunciation. And Pekka is going to say, yeah, that yeah is. And then Pekka, like three minutes later, is going to say the name of that sport totally differently. So not only is Pekka a cool guy and, and a great ambassador, but he's also very kind to Kevin. Because the, the pronunciations of these sports is not even close. It's Finnish baseball, by the way. polo.
2: This safe pe- to say we wouldn't be as nice to Kevin. <laughs> no, not a chance we...
0: we're that nice to him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as we're going around the world to talk to, um, Pecorine, I think was he in Switzerland at the time? Uh, we've got to talk just briefly here, guys, about Sense Arena's Global Hockey Skills Challenge or Hockey Skills Global Tour. Uh, you know, they've had this competition going on for all Sense Arena users for several months now. And this month we're about to unveil in a couple of days here, probably uh, about the time a lot of people will be listening to this, the next installment of uh, the challenge, which is sponsored by the Los Angeles Kings. And uh, winners will have an opportunity to uh, pick up a little bit of signed LA Kings memorabilia. Haven't quite unveiled yet what that is, but uh, some cool stuff coming from the Kings, no doubt. Uh, It's worth mentioning that uh, LA's goalie coach, Bill Ranford, has been involved with Sensorina very close to day one. Um, One of the one of the uh, training plans that you can do on Sense Arena uh, is guided by Bill Ranford. So six days worth of different drills that he's arranged and talked about why he thought they were important. Um, there's many more in there, including D- Dominic Hasek, the greatest goaltender of all time to many of us. Um, great training plans are at the uh, the heart of Sense Arena that can guide you through your experience. Or if you want, you can freestyle it and just work through all the great drills that are available there to uh, to improve your goaltending. But I do encourage people, if you're a Sense Arena user, get on board with this competition. You could uh, win some of that King's memorabilia. You can see how you stand versus other goaltenders all around the world because they post the results on their website at all times. And, uh, and then there'll be a group of people that are going to move on from these individual competitions for the overall championship with a chance to uh, win a trip to the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. So some real cool stuff happening uh over at sensorina what do you notice something cool they were doing over at sensorina this uh this week as well didn't you
1: no that was darren who noticed but i noted too oh, the, i'm sorry trevor's darren. egress nice try hutch but i just wanted to give woody a chance to yeah, talk i think again. it's
0: important that woody uh we fit him in as much as we can because it's tough we to, to, to I squeeze can see in. that
2: setup coming from a mile away boys Darren, what do you got going on over at Sensorina? Well, the
0: the, the Sense Arena uh has a player application to it as well. So with one license, you can you can dive into the players and see it and train as a player or or as a goaltender, and they have the Ziegler school uh in adaptation to it. So you can you can try that through Sense Arena and not have to worry about uh putting the lights out in the backyard, uh underneath the eaves or <laughs> anything like that or a window, and you can just uh, train uh, with that. I, I don't know whether the, the goalie perspective is in yet, just yet, but the for the Zegers play, it's it's available on the player side.
2: I think that highlights something that Brian Decord told us is coming down the pipe in the next year or so. Um, that you'll be able to, or at least teams that are involved with Sense Arena are going to be able to take video, take particular things they want to scout and see, and get it put right into that Sense Arena system. Uh, very quickly. So you're going to be able to really be scouting in virtual reality. And um, obviously they turned this one around fairly quickly. What a what a cool tool. And one of the great things about Sensorena we've talked about before is that it's an ongoing license. So they're always updating the software and you can see new things uh, pretty much all the time. And then I think four major releases a year as well. So really excited about uh, what they're doing right now with uh, both the the new skills challenge or the ongoing skills challenge, and then uh, all the ongoing developments at Sense Arena as well, boys. I was
0: training with it the other night, and it was funny because, like on Monday, I was terrible. Tuesday, I was a little bit better, and Wednesday, I was I felt comfortable with it. It was just bizarre how it just took me a little bit because it's you you see it and it it, it improves your reaction time, but it, you do you do have to work with it and and allow yourself to catch up uh in the sense of and that's what it's there for is to train you and i i got that benefit
1: i think that actually one of the modes that we need to educate darren on a little bit here that i know is a popular one we've we've heard eric comry talk about this mode in sense arena the ability to sort of have shots come at you and see it but then also pause it and sort of go look from the shooter's perspective and see you know how much of the net you're filling how close you are to those pucks we've heard eric talk about just letting pucks go in and then going and looking at the replay to see, like. You know, how much would he had to have moved like how how much of that net is he filling? be a good one for Darren on the sharp angles and the reverse VH because he could <laughs> use that puck perspective and he'd be <laughs> able to ask sense arena, is there any space <laughs> over my shoulder instead of having to ask Jack Eichel, was there any room there?" which led to a very uh, a very cool photo on uh, on Twitter that we retweeted this week. Yeah. Darren asking after getting beat short side shelf on the RVH. By the way, I thought your RVH form looked really good by the way. <laughs> But
0: Except for the was there hole. any
1: room there? And Eichel's got his stick crammed through about a <laughs> ten-inch square hole over the shoulder. You can do that in Sens Arena too, Darren. So you don't have to ask the
0: uh, All-Star players if there is. There's nothing like having a top ten forward in the National Hockey League trying to be polite to you, going, "Yeah, there's a little bit there," <laughs> and stick his <laughs> stick uh, right, right through there. Uh, might be able yeah. to fit the basketballs uh, just uh, uh, a tad bit, but. I, uh, I felt like I had it covered and that's, you're right. I'm going to try that uh, the box control on, on sensorina is a really cool uh, tool uh, as well. And so there's a, there's a lot going on and I will be part of that competition. I, I can't wait uh, for that competition, but the feature interview brought to you by sensorina, sensorina VR is Pekka Uh I don't know whether there's anything that you want to set up here. Uh, going into it or just let it roll because it does cover a lot of what Pekka went through at the tail end of his career and transitioning into retirement and where you find the right time and how you come to be at peace with that. And then uh, there's some, uh, some real uh, great uh, anecdotes about playing the game when he was with Nashville.
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's just everything in here. And I think just, you know, I, we've got, you know, some big retirements coming up here, big Jersey retirements. And obviously ahead of Pekka is, 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 uh, Henrik Lundqvist who, uh, we played a little text tag with and had to move some dates around, but still hoping to have him on ahead of his. But I feel like don't forget that this is coming up in February. Like we're running this interview now, but in February, Pekka's Jersey is going up to the rafters, uh, in Nashville. And the bond between Pekka, Renee and the community of Nashville, middle Tennessee area is every bit as strong as the one between Henrik Lundqvist and New York city. This guy is the face of a franchise. He's their first ever icon. When you talk to people around, um, the predators, I talked to David Poyle. I talked to their CEO, Sean Henry. I talked to UC Soros, um, for, for a magazine article about this event coming up ahead of their stadium series game. Like he is the Nashville predators in a lot of ways. And it was the work in the community that he did. Um, it was just, it's the person that he is. And I hope some of that comes through. It comes through in some of my emotion at the end of it, because he always made you feel good and feel special when he was speaking to you. It was just a way that he had because that's who he is. And so I hope that comes through because it's much more than just Pekka Rene the goaltender it's Pekka Rinne, the person that's being honored in February in Nashville and I, I gotta be honest like I know we have guys we've met in the league and there are a lot that we, we just think are the greatest people but Pekka is at the top of that list he's one of the best people I've ever had the pleasure of talking to in, in the game of hockey
0: In Goal Radio the podcast presented by Source for Sports uh, The Hockey Shop TheHockeyShop.com it's our feature interview Pekka Rennie a one franchise goalie Vesna Trophy winner hanging out with Kevin Woodley in the feature interview presented by Cent Arena
1: Can't tell you how happy I am just to actually see this man's face on a Zoom call again after all the years of bugging him in the locker room. And what an honor to have on the Ingo Radio podcast, Pekka Rene. Uh, retired last year. You're in Europe now. Got a big ceremony coming up this month to retire your jersey. Just catch us up, Pekka. How are things going? How is uh, how's retired life treating you?
3: Thanks, Kevin. Uh, everything's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh... I've been ever since uh, after the summer, I've been back back in Finland and uh, actually now in in Switzerland. And uh, it's been amazing. I mean, a lot of family time, still obviously keeping up with hockey and, uh, you know, obviously following Brett's all the time and, you know, watching all the games and and things like that. But uh, it's been it's been awesome. I mean. Uh, I was to be honest I was a little nervous after I announced my re- retirement you know obviously it's uh, something unknown to me you know uh, living without hockey without my teammates without going to the rink every single day um but it's been it's been nice change and I I feel like I prepared myself pretty well over the past couple of years you know thinking about this decision and um right now it feels like it was the right time and right moment for me and uh, i've been really enjoying
1: it i guess you probably didn't miss the off-season training but i've heard from a lot of guys that as october rolls around for the first time that can be the toughest point um did you have that moment where you thought about training camp and and but how did you know too like how did you know last summer that this was the time
3: i to be honest i i didn't uh 100 percent. i obviously it's it's impossible but uh I, I, I just thought I, I tried to use you know, I used pros and cons I you know what I mean like I, I put you know things down on the paper and uh, but I, all in all I, I just thought that it's it's perfect timing it's uh you know I, I couldn't be more happy with my career at that point and and everything that happened over my career and and then until the until the last game, I, I mean, I, I feel like the last game was also a little bit of a. It had something to do with it, you know. I I really got to say goodbye to the fans, you know, and it was important to me to go out on my own terms. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's been different situations. I, I I feel the first time I went to see see a game in in November, I was in in Nashville in in November and and go in the rink and watch the game. I. It felt so weird, uh, you know, just sitting there and trying to enjoy the game. I was, I don't know, my palms were sweaty, and and just I, I wanted to be out there. And <laughs> but no, it's I, I never once, I, you know. And then about the working out, I, you know, I try to stay in shape and and try to keep the same, at least like a old routine. You know, do something every day and try to stay in shape but uh you know it's it's been the right right decision so far
1: that that last game um it was so emotional it was so it was such a joy to watch from the outside the relationship between you and the fans in nashville how do you describe that bond like where do you think that comes from i know i've asked some other people around the organization about how special it is and where it comes from where for you like how did, that, how did that happen? Because it's not often that you can create that type of relationship. It would seem with an entire city, Pekka.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's how I felt right away Since ever since my first year in, with, with Nashville. I, I felt like, you know, no matter how I played, you know, ups or downs, and, you know, I had good stretches, bad stretches, and they, you know, the fans would always support me, and I ever since those days, you know, my early years, 08, 09, 2010, I, I felt like, you know, there's something special here. And, uh, you know, they, they really showed the love and, and, and then obviously the benefit is, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to play play for the same organizations, uh, for so long. And, and that's how you build up a relationship. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I do, I do feel very lucky with that in that regard. Uh, and, uh, it's, it still gives me goosebumps think, thinking about the last game and it's, uh, it was like, you know, movie, movie ending and, and picture perfect ending. It, it was amazing.
1: I, now, do you, have you thought ahead to what it's going to be like on the night you return? I know you've been back to watch games, but what it's going to be like being back on the ice? And to see your jersey going to the rafters, the first one ever to be retired by that organization, an organization you're so intertwined with.
3: Uh, yeah, I've, I've thought about it. But I, I think the biggest thing I'm, I'm excited for is, you know, being able to actually share it with my family and my friends. And, you know, so many things over my career, you know, my family, my friends, and everybody has been back in Finland and, you know, watching all the screens or, you know, whatever, watching highlights or, uh, that type of stuff and now i i have a chance to bring everybody over and and i i think that's that's a one thing i'm 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 really looking forward to that you know i get to share it with uh with everybody and i just hope i'm not i'm not too emotional and and too nervous about it i i, I try to just enjoy it it's gonna be awesome
1: okay well there's so many moments i i want to ask you like about some of the biggest ones of your career with the predators but rather than asking you to pick a few, like take me back to where it started. How did Pecker Rene fall in love with the position? Because I think every time I've gotten the chance to talk to you, whether it's gear or technique, and I know I was annoying with all those questions, but you always had a genuine passion, it seemed, for the position of goaltending. Where'd that start?
3: It started really early. Uh, my cousin, who's uh, seven years older than me, he was a, he was a goalie and you know, he was my idol and I looked up to him and they actually uh, lived right next to us uh, growing up. So, you know, I got to, I got to spend a lot of time with him and uh, I must've been that annoying young guy, you know, little, little, little kid. I was always knocking on their door and, you know, Yari, Yari is his name. And I would, I would be like, Yari, can you come outside? Let's play. And can I see your gear and um, things like that. And, but it, it started really early and, you know, it's just like street hockey i mean i i always wanted to be a goalie and uh my cousins were shooting you know shooting on me and i I think the gear uh just the position in general i it, it was uh it was just fascinating to me uh and uh you know after that i started following you know different phoenix goalies and obviously back then you know the news outlets weren't the same as nowadays but you know I would, I would collect newspapers and the sport, you know, sports pages and I, I would cut out the the pictures if they were like goalie pictures and, uh, you know, it was, it was fun.
1: Now, I, I read that you van was Van Beesbroek, who was your first guy sort of from outside of Finland, like from the NHL that you admire?
3: Yeah, the Beezer. The Beezer, all right.
1: <laughs> and you, you, did you actually send him notes and stuff and he would reply? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I I still have, you know, a few hockey cards and he actually signed them and and sent actual like a like a letter with them which was super impressive and um yeah, I still have them. I actually got had a chance to meet 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 him like early on in my career when he was still working on TV and um so I told him the story and and you know, he loved it. It was like, "Oh, that's awesome." And
1: I am curious, like because one of the things I've heard from people around the community in Nashville and the organization is your bond with the fans uh, was strong in a lot of ways because you were so interactive with them through charity work and all the extra things you did, but not just for the cameras, just because that's who you were. Win or lose after a game, you were meeting with kids, and did that, having a guy like Van Beesbroek early on respond so directly, like did that have a lasting effect on you, or is that just who you are and how you were raised regardless?
3: Yeah, I think I think when that something like that happens, when when you idolize something and you know that person actually reaches back to you as you know when you're a little kid, it's it's pretty impressive, and I, I'm I'm sure it leaves a leaves a little little imprint in, in you know in your in your system, and uh, so. But I, uh, you know, I I'd like to think that I I I try to treat every people you know, the same, I, you know, it doesn't matter if you, if, you know, if you're an NHL player or if you're a fan coming to the game, I, I try to, I try to treat everybody. I, I know it's sound cheesy, but I, that's the way I try to treat people. And, um, but you know, I, I, <laughs> that's the way I try to go about my business.
1: Well, it certainly hasn't gotten unnoticed in Nashville. I wanted to ask you about your history with goalie coaching, starting back to those early years. You talk about street hockey and and just playing. We've heard so much about sort of the Finnish system, and I know it's quite regional, and then everyone would get together for an annual meeting, and, and how many great goalies they've developed over the years. What was your first introduction to goalie coaching back in Finland? I think...
3: When I was a kid, I, that was the that was the time when they really started paying attention to goalies uh, in Finland, and, and you know that was the time, you know, former goalies or or goalies playing in a, in a top league in Finland, they started having their own like summer camps, things like that, and um, you know I would attend to those, and I would go there, and uh, but team wise uh, it came a little bit later maybe maybe when I was like 14 15 uh, had my first goalie coach and um, but I mean obviously it's it's super helpful and when, when you have somebody who actually you know comes on the ice every every single time you skate and and you know you, you get some extra time with the goalie coach and uh, but I, I feel like that was the time when when they really started you um, doing something about it in in finland and and i feel like for a for some years they they had a little bit of edge uh you know in that regard you know having goalie coaches and um you know generating more more goalies from finland but i i, I feel like after that obviously a lot of the a lot of the other countries uh pick, picked up on it uh, pretty soon but uh but I, I feel like I was 14, 15 when uh, when I had my, my first goalie coach.
1: Nowadays fourteen or fifteen would be late by most standards, yeah, right? Like we yeah, see kids exactly. But exactly. looking back at, it, do you think that's a good thing? Like like, you know, this is an this is sort of this is a chicken and egg argument or, or and I don't know that there's the right answer, but you know, up to that age you would have had to mimic others, learn on your own, figure out how to read the game without sort of having it all laid out in front of you. Do you think looking back there's a benefit to maybe not having too much of that? coaching structure at too young an age.
3: Yeah, I I am sure. I, I I feel like I mean it worked out. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's benefits to both both of those uh aspects. But uh but yeah I mean when you don't have a goalie coach you 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 know you make your you make your mistakes and you either learn or you don't and and you know it kind of makes you it forces you think think about the game think about you know kind of taking a step outside of the, the crease and trying to look yourself from, from the outside. And, and, and you know what I mean? And I, I still think that it's better to have a goalie coach and, you know, have a good relationship with your, with the goalie coach. And um, I, I certainly after that point, I, I've been very lucky with my goalie coaches. I got a lot of help from them.
1: We've all heard the story of the draft, you know, them not actually even getting to see you play in a game. I think it was, was it Nicholas Backstrom you were backing up? They were watching.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Did you know it? Did you know, you've heard the story, obviously. Were you aware that somebody had come to watch you that night at the time?
3: Yeah, I actually, somebody told me about it. And uh, I remember I was like, come on, please let me play. Let me play. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I knew about it. So like, I, I didn't play that night. And uh, but anytime I I got the got the net during the warmups, I I just tried like I tried my hardest and and uh, just <laughs> tried to take some extra shots and uh, probably didn't didn't even give the net to Baki who was who was playing. And <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a funny story. I'm, you know, obviously Ray Ray Shiro played a big role. You know, for me getting drafted and
1: what about the draft itself? Like, I mean, did you, I'm curious, did you, did you watch it? Do you know, how did you find out you'd been picked?
3: My, my Finnish agent called me and, and, and told me about it. And yeah, I, I had no clue. It's uh, every time there's a, there's a draft, it's, it's around like this midsummer party in, in Finland. And, and, and it's a traditional thing that you go to a cottage or a cabin and, so me and my bunch of my friends, we were in, in a in a in a cottage, and and my agent calls me, and you uh, got drafted, and and, uh, and I'm like, wow, like, and you know, not, I mean, at the time it was uh, to me it was such a surprise. I I not I didn't really think about it too much, and uh, but obviously a positive one, and and it was awesome.
1: Transition to the North American game because it's not an easy one to make. I think a lot of people forget, you know, there was a, I mean, I know an injury played a role in sort of slowing the start of your career shoulder injury that took a while to come back from, but that transition to North America, um, you know, it's easy. You've had such a remarkable career with the Predators. It's easy to forget you spent a lot of time in the American league. What was the toughest part? Who were the guys that helped you the most with that transition? And what, was there a moment where it all clicked for you?
3: Uh, I feel like looking back, it was such a, important time for me. Uh I played three years with Milwaukee and uh I love Milwaukee. I, I love the Admirals. They they were awesome and it was actually it was great for me. There was no my first year in, in Milwaukee, there was nobody else from Finland and and it was really good for me. I had to I had to it forced it forced me to you know learn learn the language and um uh, but yeah there were so many guys who, who helped me along the way and my my first year i actually lived with uh kevin klein who ended up having a great career and uh younger prospect uh paul brown and and those guys really helped me out and my second year i, I lived with uh gretz perrowley who ended up having having a really good career and uh so i mean all in all it was uh, it was a, such a great experience for me and like you mentioned, my second year, I ended up having that uh, solo surgery, and it, it kind of slowed everything down a little bit. But uh, only only time I, I, you know, I was I was doubting the whole thing. You know, if, if this ever gonna work out, it was my my third training camp, and when I got sent down, that was at the time that was a that was a hard pill to swallow. And and and, but I, you know. They David kept telling me that they have a they have a plan for me. They they still believe in me, and um, so I, I think that helped me a lot. And I ended up having a really good year, my third year in Milwaukee, and ended up playing a lot of games. And I I, I feel like obviously it's easy now looking back, but it, it really helped me down the road. And but yeah, I had a I, nothing but a good memories from Milwaukee and and from AHL.
1: Now, the early years in Nashville, you arrive and the team starts to build up. I remember covering the first playoff run, and I remember that it was, I think it was my introduction to social media, too. I remember the hashtag, what's in Pekka's glove? There was, I don't know <laughs> if you remember that, but all the focus was about your glove hand and how active it was. And I know you've shared this story with me in the past, and i I, I remember being one of the ones that asked you about it at the time, but... The roots of that glove and your great hands, and the importance of playing other sports, can you can you fill the audience that hasn't heard the story in before about Pesapola? if I'm saying it correctly? Yeah, and how, yeah, you are. The, how it works and, and, and you know how important that was to you to, to have you know at a time when goaltenders were becoming a little passive, not yourself, but becoming a little sort of close the holes mentality. You came on the scene with this dynamic, active glove. And I remember talking to Weber about all the rebounds it saved because you'd catch pucks instead of kicking them out and just how important that was and, and where the roots of it were for, for us.
3: Yeah. Like you mentioned, Finnish uh, It's uh It's like Finnish baseball, a little different, different rules. But, uh, but yeah, growing up, like, you know, winter, summertime, I, I would always carry my, my baseball glove and and uh, you know I would always have a ball, I would throw it against the wall and, and catch it and uh, I would play street hockey just wearing that, not not like a typical hockey goalie club and uh, it kind of forced you to catch bucks rather than let them hit you. otherwise you know you get hurt and I don't know how much how much it goes to to Pesapollo. and you know but it was it was always something that, I felt very. It, it felt natural, and uh, I always. I, I probably, you know, sometimes it caught me in the trouble too because I, I tried to catch everything, and you know, my my glove hand was so more dominant, I guess, and and you know, it, even even some of the shots to my blocker side, I, I would I would catch them cross body, and um, you know, shots on the ice, I would scoop them up, and um, but it, for sure it. it you know, it was it was something that you know they always say that you know players have something that kind of separates you, and I, I think that was that was one white thing that you know it kind of separated me, and um, I tried to use it as much as I could, and but yeah, I, I think I think it is it is the other sports, you know, your hand and eye coordination, you know, everything like that, and uh, but then you know on the other hand, I you know, over the years in North America, I, it really took, took time for me to, you know, actually use my body. I, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a tall guy, I'm a big body and uh, I wasn't very good at using my body in the early years. And uh, so it, there's always a trade-offs and, you know, there's always other areas that you can improve. And, you know, that was, it always felt natural to use my club and it was something that, that was my strength. But, but then there was other areas that, you know, I had to get better. And, and so there's always trade-offs. And...
1: Was it, how how'd you work out? Like, I'm curious how you were, did you ever have a point where you had a goalie coach say like, you can't catch pot? Like, he, we don't want you doing that? Because I, I think there may have been some at that time that might've been that way, that might've said, hey, he'd yeah. be better off if, if he just blocked. And yet it felt like watching from the outside, like nobody ever sort of forced you to lose that completely. And I would guess that that's a good thing.
3: Yeah, no, it's awesome. Never once. I mean, everybody, I mean, I was, obviously I was lucky in the U.S. North America, I only had Mitch Korn and Ben Vanderklok as my goalie coaches. And, you know, they never, ever, you know, tried to take it, you know, take it out of my game or uh, obviously there were times that, you know, I, you know, you look some of the goals afterwards and, you know, I had like double coverage. I would like, you know, hold my glove in front of my pad, which doesn't make any sense. You know, I, and things like that, where I was just like anticipating shots with my glove and, and, you know, ended up getting beat somewhere else. And, you know, otherwise I probably would have made the save if, uh, if I would have just, you know, used my body, but, but still never, never, ever they, they tried to take it away, which is, uh, which was awesome. And, and they, they also also always thought that it's, it's, you know, it's my strength and it's, it's something that I can use use to my advantage. And, and uh, so, yeah, I I really appreciate it.
1: The Preds are rising as a team. You're getting into the playoffs. You're having exceptional seasons. Everything is rolling. And then you have the hip injury, Um, the surgery, which was, I mean, there's different types of hip surgery. You got the tough one. You got the microfracture. Then you had an infection after. I'm not sure people around the league appreciated how hard it was to come back from that, especially after having all that success. How, how tough was that process for you, and how long did it take before you played such a dynamic game? How long did it take for you to feel like Pekka again? Uh, it again?
3: Was, it was the hardest year of my life, to be honest with you. It was uh, emotionally, physically, everything. It was... Uh, you know you're a young guy and you you feel like you you know you you've, you've kind of you know started building up your career and you know, at that point and uh you're so hungry and and everything like that and then you know not only the the surgery but the infection that was the that was the thing that you know there's so much unknown and you know the doctors they they couldn't give you any estimates how long it's going to take and, and and things like that so it was it was, it was really frustrating. And, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, after that, I, I remember that year, I, I think it was March or something. When I, when I came back, uh, we only had like 20 games left and, um, probably ended up playing like 10 of them or something like that. And and then obviously I didn't feel, my, I I didn't, at the time I, I didn't feel like myself and, and, but soon as the season ended, I ended up going to a World Championships and ended up having a really, really good tournament. And I, I think just, just confidence-wise and and mentally, that was so important to me to you know play good hockey and 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 actually feel like myself. And so I was a good. Ended up. Working out for me, and then ended up having a really good summer. Next summer, I, I knew that I, I had to work, you know, work really hard. And um, I, I think around that time, unfortunately, you know, Barry, uh, Barry Trotz was let, you know, let go at the end of that season, and and uh, Peter Laviolette came along, and and you know, everything just clicked, uh, you know, not only for myself but for the team too, and I ended up having a pretty good stretch with, uh, with, with Peter, uh, as a head coach. And, but, you know, at that time, I, I really think that that world championships was a, was a really big thing for me.
1: That second, that sort of second rise, like you guys had risen and like you said, and then that, that was really tough, um, for you yeah. emotionally and physically to come back from, did it make sort of that, I almost look at it like a second half of your career, more rewarding i mean the vesna trophy the trip to the cup final like did it mean more having sort of been to the peak and sort of got knocked down by injury and then having to climb your way back up was it at all more satisfying plus you always seem to continue to evolve as a goalie we talk about the glove hand but you were always sort of looking for new ways to keep getting better
3: yeah i, I think so i and i i think it was a chance for me to improve as an as an athlete you know you know, recovering from an injury, uh, you know, and then, you know, you have to start thinking how to, how to prevent future injuries. And so it, it kind of, it, it made me a, made me a better athlete. I, I started living, you know, more clean and, and, you know, <laughs> taking care of my body and, and things like that. And in the long run, I, I feel like it was, you know, there was a lot of benefit benefits for me too. And, um, uh, but yeah, I, I guess you could call it like a second half of my career. Um, and, uh, you know, during that stretch, I ended up having the most success of my, you know, individually. And, um, but yeah, I, I, until the end and that's a, that's a big thank you to Ben van too. And, um, I, I tried to, you know, every season we, we tried to, you know, tweak few things and, and few areas of my game where I, you know, I could maybe more be more efficient, more dynamic or whatever it might be. And, and obviously one thing at that time was uh, like the post play, you know, reverse BH, things like that. And, but it's, uh, you know, this is, this is why goalie position is so much fun. I, you know, and I, I, I don't think we've, I don't think we've seen, I I mean, you look at the the way these guys play, Vasilevsky and you see, you know, Saros, and it's so exciting. And but uh, you know, I I, I think there's going to be something else coming along, you know, that that's going to change the position again a little bit. And but it's it's just so in, in, interesting, and and that's the way I look at it. It's uh, there's always, you know, you can you can use your imagination, you can you can mimic other guys, and and it's it's just amazing position.
1: One of the evolutions for you was puck handling. I remember talking to you when Lavi took over the games. You guys weren't giving up a lot of shots, and so the games were less engaging. It was harder to stay. And you approached that like, "Hey, I can get more involved if I handle the puck more." Is that an accurate? Am, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. all that work. Yeah. Yeah. So was that, how much, like, is that something other kids can emulate if they're in the same situation? Like, Hey, there's always something and puck handling can keep you engaged. Maybe on nights where you don't get a lot of shots.
3: Yeah. I, yeah, I think exactly right. I, you know, I remember at the time there were, there were games where I would get, you know, less than 20 shots and, you know, you feel like you're, you're like a non-factor and especially if you lose a game, you feel terrible. And, 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 uh, but yeah, I, I think that was the one thing. I, I always felt confident handling the puck. And uh, I just started doing it more and more and uh, started getting braver and braver and, and jumping against the glass and, and cutting cutting you know rims and uh, going behind the net when we are on penalty kill and other team is on power play and just just trying to get involved and 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 uh, you know obviously try to limit limit my mistakes. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think it was a, at that time. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, I really tried to focus on it and I, I worked, worked a lot on it in practice too.
1: How do you work on it in practice? Because I, I think that a lot of times for young goalies, we always hear that puck handling is something that can separate you as a goaltender and, and you bring extra value to your team. And yet when I watch teams practice, they almost never do it. Like the, the goalie, yeah. did you did you have to find ways yourself? Is it just about having a puck on your stick at all times? How would you get better at it?
3: Yeah, I, I think that's a one thing too. I, you know, just to, you know, handle the puck. I mean, just carry puck all the time. You know, when you're skating around, there's, there's enough time in practices where, you know, it's just Indy 500 and guys are just skating around. And, uh, you know, that's a good time to just handle pucks, shoot pucks. Uh, receive passes, you know, cutouts, you know, things like that. And yeah, yeah, you're right. There's, you know, hardly ever. I I mean, that's obviously one area of, uh, you know, goaltending that, you know, a lot of times I feel like goalie coaches, they rather work on your post plays or, you know, recoveries or rebounds or, you know, whatever it might be. But, um, but yeah, I I feel like especially and then, Later on in my career um we, when when Uzi came along we started we actually did it all the time us three you know me Yuzi, and and ben and and we would just like pass box and you know put it on the rim and and the other other guy would you know take it behind the net and and pass you know pass it on the other side and and we would do that at the end of the practice pretty much every day and Things like that, and and now when I look at you, he's he's gotten so much better, and um, so I, I, you know, I I, I think it's uh, I I think it's something that there's no like miracle work, you know what I mean? Like I feel like it's something that it, when you feel confident and comfortable with the pocket, I, I think it, it you know it helps, it, it helps a lot.
1: I don't know if I ever told you this, but I used to write one of the NHL.com columns every Christmas. We'd do like uh, every second year, we'd alternate it. We'd used to do the present story, which I used to ask you about, you know, what was your favorite Christmas present memory? But then the yeah. other one was I would ask goalies if you could take one skill from another goalie in the NHL and put it under the tree so you could add it to your game, what would it be? And we used to get Pekka Renee's glove a lot. We'd get Carey Price's skating. But Devin Dubnik, his answer one year was, I want to be able to get out behind the net and stop rims the way Pekka Rene stops rims. So <laughs> that active style of stopping everything definitely did not go unnoticed by your peers. And I'm guessing like, did that play? A, you were rewarded for it? Do you, does all that work pays off? Do you think all that, especially being so active stopping pucks, is that what ultimately leads to the goal in such a great moment?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I I really think so, and and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of guys who are so good with the puck, and uh, it doesn't. And that's a that's also like a lot of times kids, they you know they they always you know, they look at the goalie who can shoot the puck really high or really really hard, and like it's not about that. It's it's about you know it's about helping your team and you know intercepting passes or rims or. Um, giving that easy outlet pass and and making just making things easier for your demon and but yeah i i think down the road it it really helped uh you know getting that first first goal
1: <laughs> what's that what's that, i mean i not that you've talked about it so many times what's that feeling like when you watch it go in
3: oh surreal it, it's uh, you know it's something that you know i think for me i you know it was it was something that I, I, I thought about so many times. I'm like, oh, like just I, I want to score so bad. I, you know, just give me that one chance, and i And then, su- sure enough, when I see I see it go in, it's uh, it's such a I mean, dream dream like feeling. It's like, oh, oh man, this is unbelievable. And uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun memory, and obviously, I, to me, it, it kind of goes into the. Kind of like a funny category, you know. It's, it's not that. I, I feel like when that happened, I, I noticed that it's not that important to me. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's such a like a cool thing, but, uh, but yeah, it's it, it's for sure. I'll I'll always remember that.
1: Last one. I wanted to ask you a little bit about UC and that relationship. You know, not everyone, not every tandem and partnership is. Warm and fuzzy, right? It's a position that can be predatory at times, right? Like you want to yeah. steal starts, you want to. What what is it that allowed you guys to have that? Everybody jokes about the father son thing, the brothers, him living with you. But like like it almost feels like like you took a lot of pride in in helping him along on this path. And I know there are times you learned from him, which is kind of crazy to think about given how he was coming in fresh and you were so well established. What were some of the things you learned, and why was it important to you to help him? Develop.
3: Yeah, uh, it's a good question. Obviously, it helps that we're both, fin- you know, from same country and you, you have the same language. But I, I think the biggest thing for me was, soon as I saw him on the ice, I saw the talent, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I saw how hard he works, um, and I, I knew that, you know, it's just a, it's just a matter of time when he's gonna, you know, when he's gonna be the starter and. And, uh, I knew that we're going to play together for, you know, I, at that, at that time, I I knew that at least for a couple of years, we're going to play together. And, uh, and I just decided that, you know, might as well use it for both, both of our advantage. And, you know, I knew right away that I could learn, I, I could learn from him and, uh, I knew that I could be helpful, you know, to him and, and, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great relationship and, and still is. And, uh, this obviously you, makes me proud. What? Yeah.
1: Can you give me a couple of examples? Like, like, cause I look at you guys, right? And obviously like you're, you're, you're this big athletic goaltender and he's this, he's so much smaller. Can you give our audience a couple, like what is Pekka Rene with all this career under his belt and this big athletic goaltender learn from five foot 10, I guess five foot 11 officially, but I'm not sure about that. UC Saros.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean just like especially like uh you know when you look at uc and and you you look at how how he reads the shots he he's so patient he he's obviously he's he's so quick too but like he uses his his feet better than any you know most of the guys and uh um he kind of I, I don't know how the how the Put it but I, I think those are the things I, I, I mean just his patience patience um, the way he reads the game way he reads shots I, I think there were things that uh, you know I got so used to just like automatically when there's a shot I, I would just like you know drop down and 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 then you know I, I would thrust my hands I, I always had good hands so I would like you know make saves on my knees and but usually obviously being smaller guy he would like wait until the very last moment and, and and use it stay on his edges and uh, and that that actually he's very like fake resistant and that helps him a lot because he's he's able to stay on his on his edges until the very last moment and and, and those were the things that I really tried to you know learn from him and um, among the other things I mean there's there's obviously you know he's very good, good at you know post plays and you know simple things his game game looks very simple and and you know but it is it's it's like a dark you know when you look at dark it, it looks very calm and but there's a lot going on under the under this you know surface of the <laughs> but, he makes, uh, but yeah
1: he makes it look easy
3: sometimes doesn't he oh yeah oh yeah yeah he, he's, a spe- he's a special goalie
1: one, I know he took a lot from you too. Like, did you guys, he talked about, you know, competing. Like, maybe sometimes he needed to go as as perfect as the technique could be for him. Sometimes he needed to go outside of that and learn to battle. And that's something he took from you. Did you guys, like, did you guys actually talk about these things or did you just absorb them from each other naturally? Or I mean, probably a little bit of both, I'm guessing.
3: Yeah, a little bit of both. I I think there was a lot of, you know, we would talk about, about the position in, in general and about our, you know our differences and, and about situations on the ice. And I, I think it helped a lot and, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, early on, I, you know, he wasn't best at, you know, scrambling around the net and, and situations that were like weird, you know, he made them look like, look, look like super weird. Like he didn't really know how to scramble. And I, I think that that's one thing that, you know, he got better right away. And, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he's a, he's like a sponge. He, you know, he he learns quick, and he 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 watches other guys. And I that's that's the one thing I always tell other goalies that just keep looking at the other guys too. And you know, obviously, you wanna you wanna do things that work for you, but you know, you also wanna wanna look at the other guys, and and uh, you know, it's it, you you can always learn something new.
1: I know he emulated you style-wise, too. I remember asking him why he wore a batting glove underneath his glove, and he just told me, this is early in his career, and he just says, well, because Pekka does.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually took it from uh, this Finnish this goalie back in, back in the day.
1: So did you, was it a batting glove, or like did, what kind of glove did you wear? Under
3: no, it's a, it's a golf glove.
1: So you were Okay, and that was your whole career. Can I ask why? This is a weird one to end on, but now i got to ask why I opened the door.
3: I mean, I started using it already back in Finland because because this other guy he was wearing it and I, I thought that it's like at the time I the it's so cool. Like I mean, always a <laughs> golf club on, under the under the under the actual club. And um but you know, I would always say that it you know when it gets sweaty and stuff, it doesn't slip as much. And I I mean you just get used to the feeling. I I think that's the biggest thing, you know, you you just is you feel, you feel naked if you don't wear it. And, and, you know, it feels weird when it, when I just put, put my glove on without it. And, um, uh, I mean, it, it's something that's just stuck, and I, you know,
1: it's another one of those things that makes this position so unique, right? There's not exactly. always a reason.
3: Uh, so exactly. Pekka,
1: I, listen, I can't thank you enough for all this time today. Mostly I can't thank you enough for all the conversations over the years little bits here and there about all these quirky little things that we goalies love uh, and for sharing your passion with our audience. Thank you so much for this. I know like a lot of people, whether you were in Nashville and a fan of the Predators or just a hockey fan in general, everyone was a Pekka fan. And I know when you played that last game and that emotion came out after, everyone felt connected. I think I can say that like a lot of people did. And I know we're all looking forward to seeing that jersey go up as well. Um, you've been such a gift to the game. Thank you so much for your time today and for all the time over the years uh, sharing it with us, goaltenders who are always big fans of yours.
3: Thanks, Kevin. I, I really appreciate it. and uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure over the years to talk with you and, and uh, you know, to the audience, goalies roll. Let's go.
1: Love it. Love it. The goalie union is strong. Thanks again, Pekka.
3: That's right. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Kev. Uh, that was outstanding. I actually went back and listened to the final five minutes of that interview just uh, to get a uh, – it was such a genuine connection between you two that, uh, that I wanted to, to listen to it again. So uh, that, was, that was really cool uh, from Pekka uh, standpoint. And uh, I like the, the relationship with UC uh, as well that you guys touched on. And UC has taken that ball, and he is – I don't know whether there's been a smoother handoff between franchise player to the next guy than what the Nashville Predators have done. Yeah, and I think
1: that's credit to Pekka, right? Like, he saw what we talked about it there. He saw what UC was going to be, and so he embraced it. And he embraced getting better. Like, he recognized that UC could help him get better, and that he could help. And it's all part of the legacy, right? Like, I had to write this magazine piece for the stadiums. Like, they've got a stadium series game against Tampa Bay. They're playing an outdoor game uh, at Nissan Stadium. Uh, home of the Tennessee Titans. And so the program for that game needed a big piece on Pekka. So it was more than just the goaltending. I dug into all the elements. And in some ways, the, this legacy that you talk about with Pekka Rene and the Nashville Predators, like he is the Nashville Predators. They don't become the franchise they are without him. It, like I said, it goes off the ice, the community work that he did. Uh, their CEO talked about, because you know, like, they have a relationship with the hospital at Vanderbilt. And so he's there for business a lot. And he'd be going in or coming out of the building and there would be Pekka just going up to the ward to visit the children's hospital, not no PR staff, no, like not a big deal, not an official event, no cameras following him, him just going kids at hockey fights, cancer games that he met like 12 years ago. And still every once in a while, just random calls to check in and see how they're doing. Like the impact he had in the community there is massive and his impact and his legacy with the predators. Like I think UC Saros is a part of that. Like it's, By embracing the guy who was going to replace him ultimately and end his career maybe even earlier than it could have, Pekka ensured his legacy continues and helped the Predators continue an era that, you know, I think a lot of people saw them taking a step back. But thanks to Soros as a Vesna candidate right now, they haven't. So um, it's just credit. You, You know, you said you could hear some of the emotion in my voice. I'm a Matt, like I got to know Pekka at the rink, but we're not close. Like we're not, that's just how he makes you feel. Like we're, I don't, So I, cause I don't want to pretend like we have a great friend. Like we're not super tight or like we have great conversations. And every time I talk to him, y- you learn things and you, but he just made you feel like he was your friend, right? Like that's, that's the type of impact he had. And so thank him for the time. Um, and I just hope everyone enjoyed not just that interview, but, the impact this guy's had on the game and the person he is as much as I did.
0: I Hope he's staying in shape because uh, when he comes back for the Stadium Series game and uh, and then has the number retired, uh, somebody in the league may need him. We've got we've got another uh, goaltender added to the list of the record number of net miners that have played in the National Hockey League this year.
1: Yeah, I figured we'd get a little break in the action, so we published a story saying there were an NHL record 102 goalies to play in games so far this season, and then Spencer goes and makes it 103. So. Um, you know, not even halfway through the year, chances are we're going to blow this out of the water. We had an article there, and listen, we've had this article like versions of this have run elsewhere, or the total number of goalies that have played because the total continues to increase. But the beauty of the one that's up right now at ingolmag.com is we dig into what's made uh some of these late blooming stories special, uh, especially Charlie Lindgren. so some great anecdotes there from Charlie, and I think it sort of goes to a lot of what we've talked about with late bloomers it's not that they didn't know how to play goal when they came in or that they weren't sometimes weren't ready like they just sometimes it's just learning something new having a different voice having a different influence somebody that changes one small thing in your game where it all just kind of clicks and you may not have met that person when you're 22 or 23 but by 26 and 27 you've been exposed in Spencer Martin's case, multiple organizations. In Charlie Lindgren's case, when he goes from the Montreal Canadiens to the St. Louis Blues, just something new, a new idea, a new concept that clicks. And in Charlie's case, in the, mag- in the article that's up at ingomeg.com right now, he really walks us through the specifics to a degree of how he manages depths and manages rush chances with more shuffles as opposed to backwards flow and sort of the mindset of using his inside edge to cut the ice in half. And he did, like we always try and do it, Ingle, he digs a little deeper than in other spots where the, the, you know, the general numbers article may have run. So there's something, something in there that young goalies might be able to see and hear in Charlie Lindgren's description of the changes he's made that could help them adjust their game. Some almost, it's almost like a pro tip
0: hidden within you know a feature article. Stick tap to Jack LaFontaine who gets his first national hockey league start hutch transitioning
2: yeah as far as we know as we're recording this today he's going to be getting his first start against the new jersey devils uh jack did get into a game and i think he faced three shots and the first two were breakaways uh hardly a warm welcome to the national hockey league by uh by the carolina hurricanes um but excited for jack to to get his first start tonight and obviously as a mike richter award winner uh he's uh qualified and well ready for this start and and we're excited to see him
0: let's uh look forward to that and uh on the subject of uh goaltending and and moving forward uh we're talking about uh, a, a bunch of different areas of uh of learning and educating people and ellis merslickens as uh, a great pro reads up on on the website
1: yeah. Our second one with Elvis, uh, I think two of three or four when he was in town um, and we, they were still doing in-person interviews, sat down with him and did a video review session. It's a really great, just just a pure, simple from the sort of center ice in two on one, um, but some great insights from Elvis Merzlikins. that again, whether you're playing beer league or you're a young goalie making your way up, he walks us through sort of what he's looking for early in the play, when he's looking for it, handedness, uh, the angles guys are attacking, how his defenseman's playing it, just you know, the kind of insights that you might be able to take away, something you haven't thought of yourself as a goaltender to help make you better the next time you're facing a two-on-one. Uh, we're now what, Hutch? We got to be up to like 110
2: pro reads over the last two years. Yeah, probably, probably something like that. Yeah. Can I, I'll just put my my parent hat on here for a sec, guys, if I can. Um, I just love the pro reads. I love the pro trip tips and the pro drills. But if you're a parent and you're looking at all this stuff and you're thinking to yourself, Um, how can my son or daughter digest all of this information? How can I give it to them in a way that they're going to learn something each week? You know, we get all excited as hockey parents wanting to give them more, 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 and give them all the best opportunities. Just make it available to them. You know, if your son or daughter has a a membership here at Ingle or, or you do, and they want to look through these things, just, just let them see it. And it's amazing what they come through on their own. Uh, I haven't really fed anything to my son, and all of a sudden I notice he's doing uh, a little bit of the Jeremy Swayman warm-up that Kevin published for us. And I hadn't given it to him. I hadn't asked him to do it. In fact, he wasn't even sure where he'd found it. Um, he just know that he knew that he found it somewhere online, and suddenly it made its way into the game. And, and I've, I've, a couple of technical things have done the same thing, not because I push it, but because it's there just for them to digest at their own speed. They don't need to go through 110 pro reads tomorrow and try and put it into their game this weekend. Just make it something that they they can take in on their own because everybody's got their own learning style. Everybody's got their own pace. And uh, whether they're going to be an early bloomer or a late bloomer, I think that uh, in goal and those pro reads and pro drills that Kevin's throwing together for everybody uh, can be invaluable. You know what?
1: Not just kids, not just kids and parents like... um, you know, sometimes, you know, I wonder, like, you, you worry about the impact, or you, how can we do things different? Can we do things better in terms of what we're sharing? Um, but we hear from pro goalies that are watching other pro goalies and some of the drills and tips and things they're doing. You know, that that late bloomer thing, the guys that make it are the ones that are willing to look for new ways, new ideas. You don't have to chase every new thing, but you've got an open mind to it. And the number of times I've had professional goalies comment to me on things that they've seen on ingoalmag.com through the ingoal premium, like, like it's shocked even me. And so, but that also tells me that what we're putting up there has value. So um, yeah, I, I agree. Get your kids on there and not just doing the sales pitch here, but uh, the chance to learn from guys who have learned these things themselves over professional careers seems like a pretty invaluable one to me. And according to the guys actually living it, it is.
0: It's there. The content is available just got to be able to soak it up, be like a sponge and, uh, goalie coaches, goalies, parents, uh, uh regular coaches. Uh, it's, it's all there. So, uh, be part of it. And, uh, thank you very much for, uh, joining us for this episode. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, Pecorino from, uh, Switzerland, uh, stopping by looking forward to his celebration uh, of goaltending and, uh, looking forward to the next couple of weeks as we got uh, some big things in store, including the King. Uh, We wish you all the best in the next week. Uh, It's the halfway point of the National Hockey League season. Start thinking about your Vesna Trophy list, Uh, maybe your top five uh, at this point, and we'll, uh, we'll digest that in one week. Be well, be safe, and good goaltending.